Hi, I'm Jim Raffle. Welcome to this episode of the Dye Subcast, simply the best place to get information about dye sublimation printing. We talk with equipment manufacturers, consumable manufacturers, dye sublimation producers, and we also share our own experiences from running a small dye sublimation business. It doesn't matter if you're new to dye sublimation or a seasoned professional with decades of experience. We're certain there is something here for you. So let's get this episode started. Shelby, you want to take it away? Absolutely. I'm Shelby Sapusik, and today we're going to be talking with Dave Conrad, who is a partner business manager at Hewlett Packard, better known as HP. Um, Dave has been a colleague of ours for, boy, 10 years or more now, I think. And so it's going to be fun catching up with him today. And Dave, thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in the podcast. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Jim, Shelby, hope all is well. But 10 years, is it? Hasn't been longer than 10 years. I don't know. It seems either either that doesn't seem long enough or it seems too long. One of the two. I don't know where time goes, but 10 years. Yeah, it's, that's, it's been a while. Um, but I guess time flies when you're having fun. So, yeah, thanks for inviting me. Finally, I, I can make it to the Die Subcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, give you a little bit of info, a little bit of background on me. Dave Conrad, I'm with HP now. I've been in the printing industry for, I want to say, over 20 years. Uh, seen a lot of trends when it comes to print technology applications, advancements in the printing process. And you know, I spent time with national distributors, manufacturers of print and print supplies over the course of my career. And uh, had the luxury of working with some of you know exceptional companies, some really cool products and some pretty amazing people along the way, you know, present company included guys. Um, so most recently for the past three years, I've been with HP, you know, dedicated mostly to the textile market uh, and the HP dye sublimation initiative. So that's what I've been Kind of been doing or what I've been up to. So you're a great fit for the Die Subcast. I'm glad we got you on. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so since since we do call this the Die Subcast, what can you tell us about Die Sublimation with HP today? Uh, with HP today, <laughs> I know you have a line of printers for Die Sub called the Stitch, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I was part of originally the launch. You know, we lost a year, but HP. Stitch Dye Sublimation Printer, the family, was actually launched um, at ISA. I want to say what it's a little, almost, was it a little over two years ago, I guess? Yeah, ISA two years ago, it was launched. Um, if you can remember when there was actually physical trade shows, you know, we'd gather face-to-face, actually go out, sit down, have dinner. And there wasn't all the I do remember. Stuff. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like yesterday, but it's two years ago. Yeah. Um, so it was really exciting to be part of, you know, really a groundbreaking launch into the textile market because the technology assets, you know, that HP developed for the stitch line of printers was specifically designed for dye sublimation in the textile market. It wasn't an existing printer platform uh, that was originally created for sign printing or for use with other uh, or different types of inks, like a lot of the other platforms out there today. So it was, it was really different. Um, you know, Stitch was really created specifically for the dye sublimation market. And it was developed to help simplify, improve, and advance the current technology that had been on the market for years. So being part of the introduction of, you know, really an innovative solution has been, been pretty exciting. Is Stitch an analogy for some, um, an acronym for something, or is, uh, where did you yeah, think it would, yeah, There's so many acronyms that if you think they would have something that, you know, Stitch stood for, but no, I think it was just the garment industry and sewing and, you know, cut and sew. So, yeah. Just curious. So yeah, actually, I just, I just want to dive a little deeper there. I just thought of something. So is it, is it built primarily for textile or could you also use it for hard surface? Um, when we launched it, um, there's three models first. So there's, you know, Stitch, there's, there's uh, 
two 64-inch printers. There's an S300 64-inch printer, kind of like our entry level. Uh, there's an S500 64-inch printer, and then there's the industrial 10-footer, 3.2-meter S1000. Um, and what's really unique about all three, they're capable of printing either on transfer paper or direct the fabric. Oh. Um, we, yeah, when you talk rigid, you know, that's, that's more, you know, the Chromalux or Duralux, uh, maybe the fine art market, there's a small sliver, but we, we really went after, you know, four pillars or four markets when we launched Stitch. Um, it was specifically designed to go into sportswear, fashion, uh, home decor, and soft signage. So those are the, the four um, oh. markets that we designed Stitch to go after. Which kind of addresses this question we wanted to ask, which what kind of products are your, our customers using the printer for? Is that, has that proven true with, with the release? Well, you know, it has. You know, for the 64-inch market, we saw a lot of opportunity with sports and activewear, like yoga pants, leggings, um, uh, cycling and soccer jerseys, and even club sports, you know, club sports wear. Uh, and then there was emerging opportunity in the home decor space for custom patterns and personalized items like drape, shades, bedding, uh, shower curtains, throws, blankets, anything home decor, right? right. And for the 10-foot space, trade shows and events were really hot, uh, along with soft signage like backlits, flags. Um, those were really popular as well. But there's always a but. Then along came the unexpected, right? The pandemic and COVID hit. So you would think, you know, that given the course of events over the past year, that the print industry would have slowed down. But incredibly, you know, the market for print with regard to signage, at least, really took off. You know, as unexpected as it was, I think it caught a lot of vendors and PSPs by surprise, which was a good thing for the traditional printers. You know, they're producing social distancing signage, directional signage, banners, posters, all sorts of stuff to support the recovery and education supports during the first year of COVID. But <laughs> coming again, that really wasn't the case for the textile and dye sublimation space. Um, not really. You know, COVID really took its toll on this market, shutting down events. Uh, shows, gatherings, sports venues, uh, no more trade show displays or booth graphics, no more backdrops for theater or movie sets, no more um, jerseys uh, for professional collegiate high school, grade schools, or even club sports. It was all gone, right? It suddenly stopped. And it was a real challenge, I think, for PSPs in this space to stay active. But, you know, a lot of them pivoted, um, like most people, uh, you know, most people do. They'll, they, they, kind of pivoted their production to meet the demand for things like masks and gaiters, custom room dividers, um, what else, uh, hospital curtains, scrubs, bandanas, virtual trade show displays, even Zoom backdrops. We had customers you know, who had these big printers, these 10 foot printers um, with their traditional uh, market basically drying up or on hold. And they started you know, produce things like you know, Zoom backdrops was pretty creative. So you know, many did well and some even grew their business with some of these applications, but you know, it was, it was challenging. Okay. So that's a good answer. Um, so the stitch is HP's first entry into die sub as, as I understand it. And I think we discussed it before we started recording and you confirm that. Mm -hmm. and so I'm, just, I'm just wondering for someone who's maybe owned existing equipment or is adding this as a, you know, a, a new printer, they're like, okay, let's, let's give the stitch a try. You know, a lot of my customers, that's the way they'll approach it. Let's bring one in and see how it, how it compares to what we currently have. I'm wondering if people ran into any, I don't know if challenges is the right word, but differences. So I'm thinking specifically if they were printing to transfer paper and then they're going to run it through their press or calendar press, were they experiencing different transfer times, pressures, temperatures, or was that stuff kind of staying 
what they might have been used to with other manufacturers? Uh, that's pretty standard. I mean, we didn't really change anything with regard to the core technology. You know, some of the things that we incorporated into Stitch, because as I said, it was specifically developed in the course of, I, I want to say about two and a half years before they launched it. Um, they incorporated some technology assets specifically for the Stitch platform that addressed a lot of the issues that were currently going on at the time that users had and still today have. Um, and to understand that really all three printer models, so there's only three models, the S300, the 500, and the S1000, they all incorporate technology assets that make the printers really a better solution for dye sublimation. Things like, you know, we use a thermal uh, printhead. We don't use piezo. You know, that's the printhead that we developed and designed. We have all the patents for, and it's, we own the technology. Um, back in the mid eighties, like 84 with that little, I think it was a desk jet. They introduced the first um, thermal printhead um, in that printer. And ever since every HP printer platform that's been launched or introduced since up to and including Stitch, you know, the $99 all-in-one desktop printer to the million-dollar, you know, digital press, and including Stitch, all use that same thermal printhead technology. Okay. So, you know, we didn't really, we didn't change the core of, you know, the dye sublimation and, and temperatures and dwell time and things like that. It's still, you know, the standard practice is the same, but we use replaceable printheads. So user replaceable printheads. These are some of the things that we, we've, we've kind of incorporated to make it easier. Uh, and more efficient. So user replaceable printheads in about 15 to less than 20 minutes, you can replace a printhead. Popping the printhead out and actually putting it in physically takes about 15 seconds. And then you got to relinearize and recalibrate and it does it all on its own. So with under, under than 20 minutes, you're, you know, you're up and running again, typically with piezo, if not too many operators are also the engineer who can take out a piezo printhead, it takes hours, if not days, or you got to call someone in 2,500 bucks to $3,000 later, plus the service call. Um, it gets, it gets pretty costly. So the printhead was a big deal, right? So that was one thing we incorporated. We also incorporate something. I'm sure you'll really appreciate the onboard I1 spectrophotometer. Yep. With latex. So that's incorporated for consistent color. Um, we have, it was a, I think we call it, it's a drop and dry print zone dryer. So imagine if you will, when you put water on paper, so basically ink is water, right? Water-based ink for dye sublimation. Typically you put the ink on paper under the printhead and then it would travel about a foot or two feet to the heated platen. So then it's gonna start drying. So when paper gets wet, it starts to expand. And if it has to travel a couple feet as it's drying, then it hits the dryer. When it starts to dry, it contracts, right? So this expansion and contraction was causing these ridges and waves. Cockling basically was a big issue. Um, a lot of waste, head scrapes, head crashes as a result. Our ability to dry the ink in the print zone eliminates that. It's drying it right in the print zone. You don't have to wait till it hits a platen. So that was another big deal where we're drying ink in the print zone. Okay. Yeah, there's... Other things like automatic nozzle detection system, that was something that's incorporated into uh, latex as well. Because it's a thermal head, we can fit up to about three times the number of nozzles on that printhead in the same space or the same area that you would see on a, on a piezo printhead. So if you are printing with piezo and you drop a single nozzle, you got to stop, you got to try to recover that nozzle, you got to swab off the printhead, sometimes soak it overnight. If you can't recover it, you can slow down, increase the number of passes or replace the printhead. With thermal on stitch, it has three times the number of nozzles. So if you lose a single nozzle, not a big deal. You can lose up to 30% of the nozzles on a printhead 
before you're going to see a, any kind of anomaly. So that's another big deal. You don't have this, you know, have to sit and babysit your printer for nozzles dropping out. And then I think they had the other cool thing that's a camera. They call it an OMOS. Here's your, you know, your, the abbreviations here, Shelby. We have uh, optical media advanced sensor. It's basically a camera. And it mounts, under the, yeah, <laughs> it mounts under the platen and it faces up and it takes pictures. It's snapping pictures on the S300 and the S500, the 64 inch at about 16 pictures a second. And it's taking pictures of the fibers or the threads, depending on what you're, you're running in the printer, whether paper or fabric. And it's making sure that you're getting consistent feed under the printhead, which basically, whether it's the beginning of the roll, the middle of the roll, or the end of the roll, it eliminates the banding. It has this, you know, we're typically, um, if you're not monitoring that, that, that travel time under the printhead with the material, you're going to get banding, right? So we eliminate banding with what we call the OMAS. So some, some cool technology that we put in to make it different and easier, less wasteful. That's very cool. Very cool stuff. So I'm going to let Shelby ask this last question because this is one of her favorites. Uh-oh. Well, I, and it's kind of talks about everything you were saying. You know, all these, these things went away, all these products, all this work went away when COVID hit and because of, you know, we weren't doing a lot of things in person. So I know, you know, from being at trade shows, you know, HP loves their exhibits at in-person trade shows. And I was wondering what, you know, your outlook is uh, for the future. What do you think? I mean, when do you think we're coming back to those? How do you think it'll look? Will it be different? Will it go back to the way it was? Um, yeah, I heard some people have gone to a few in-person trade shows, smaller types, you know, not really big, you know, international trade shows, of course, but people are doing a lot more, you know, these are the booths I'm going to go to. I'm making appointments. I'm making a beeline. I'm not really walking the trade show floor anymore. And is that going to change the way that you exhibit? or not just you, but the general you? Yeah, you know, first off, I have to say that I think HP did an outstanding job managing the pandemic or through the initial, you know, the first year, at least of the pandemic, you know, management has been very aware of the pandemic, kept everyone informed. It was taking the proper precautions to ensure partner, customer and employee safety during, you know, these kind of crazy, unusual times. So that said, <laughs> knock on wood, um, HP is scheduled to exhibit at our first live, you know, face-to-face -face trade show in over, what, a year and a half. And that being the Printing United, the old SGIA show in October. I think that's the 6th through the 8th, I think, in Orlando. Right, yeah, Orlando, yep. Yeah, so we plan on, you know, coming back into the, if you will, the trade show world with a splash. Two big booths, two really big booths. We're going to have all of the HP uh, Stitch family of printers on display, along with our full latex line of printers, including you know, the newest addition to the latex family, which was a seven and the 800, which you just had an IPO on last month. So I think if that all happens and comes off as planned and kind of people are talking, you've seen the MBM shows are still on schedule for the smaller ones to happen in person and live. Um, so, you know, if, if those go well, and I think by the time we hit October, um, hopefully we're kind of off and running into maybe, you know, the new year again, we're already getting a year ahead of us, but I think that's the plan is to kind of get back to, you know, we, we've come a long way with, with all this virtual, you know, um, capability, uh, meetings, webinars, Zooms, and things like that, and training. And, and I don't think any of that's going to go away. Obviously, I think it's made us, if nothing, you know, stronger. It's given us more materials and more collateral and more opportunities to reach people that, you know, couldn't fly into Atlanta or one of our experience centers out in San Diego or couldn't make it out to Boise, right? Um, so I think, you know, 
the, the positive outcome of it is it gave us a lot of resources that we can now use and will continue to use, I think, to touch customers, to work with partners and, and, and develop products. And, and that's a good thing. But I think the trade shows, we'll see. After October, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Either I'm thinking people are going to be all excited, clamoring to get on a plane again and get out there to a trade show and you'll go to dinner and have you walk the floor and talk to vendors and, you know, and shake hands and, and see what's going on just, just, just to get back out. Cause that's, I think is going to be the first really big show in our industry. That's going to kind of give us, you know, a little bit of groundwork or at at least direction on on what's going to happen, I think for future shows. But. So you don't think exhibitors themselves are going to change the way that they, I don't do their booths or anything like that. Um, I don't think so. There may actually be some, you know, some complimentary, uh, like maybe there's, there's webinar through the trade show, like maybe prior to the trade show, during the trade show, things can be virtual. I think we've gotten to the point where we've really kind of dialed in some of those capabilities and we have that technology. We've invested a lot of time and money during the course of the last you know year, uh, to really sharpen some of the skills in those different, um, those areas. So I think we'll still continue to use those tools in conjunction with the trade show. But right now I, I think we're going back in it as trade show as, as usual, you know, at least with SG or printing United and, um, you know, trying to incorporate some of these new, these new tools into the actual physical trade show and maybe tie in some more of the virtual stuff with it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I could see, um, you know, a day or two before the trade show when they do those education ses- sessions, you know, instead of having those, you know, some hallway, you know, down the convention <laughs> center hall, you know, I mean, I bet you a bunch of those will end up being virtual ahead of time. Yeah. You don't have to fly in two days early. You save the hotel fee, you save the, the you know, I mean, the time in the office, you can do that for an hour or two hours from your office remotely and then fly out for the actual physical show and walk the floor. So I, I think so. Yeah, I think that, that we're going to see some of that merge. I was just really curious to ask you that question because I know HP always does a big splash at trade shows. Yeah, well, we're coming back in. Like I said, uh, everything is planned at SG or I keep calling it SGIA, but we missed a year. So. <laughs> Branding changes are hard, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Printing United. So we'll, looking forward to it. We're planning to be there, so that's that'll be good. that'll be good. Yeah. So, well, great. Well, this is the uh, this is the part of the show where we kind of go into the uh, same three questions for everybody. Um, we're going to ask you two more real quick and, and then uh, you get to ask us almost anything one time. So, <laughs> uh, right. Um, what is the most interesting trend you see in dye sublimation today or printing? You, you know, you've got a good back, background in print. What, what are you seeing as a trend? We'll stick. Well, I'll go dye sublimation. There's a lot of cool things happening um, just because of some of the applications that have come come to light in the last year, right? Things that people weren't traditionally really focused on. I think you guys even dabbled in the masks and the, and the gators, right? We did. And that became opportunity for people. That's not going anywhere. I think it's going to be here as maybe fashion accessories, something like that. So it's not going to all of a sudden stop. I mean, you know, masks and gators are here to stay, I think. Um, so I think the people who took advantage of that, that's, that's, that's kind of cool. I don't necessarily would call that um, a trend. Uh, I would say a trend, you know, like the just-in-time printing to meet, you know, consumer demands. Uh, In the textile world, it's known as fast fashion, right, which allows smaller players to get in on the action by providing custom apparel and designs to a global market. You know, you can set up shop in your house or a small production space, and through social media, a simple website, and some investment in SEO, 
you can reach a wide market with virtually limitless boundaries. You know, examples, people we have using our equipment now, and I think over the course of the last year, it just gotten into this space with Stitch, guys who are making custom socks, shops who are doing ties and bandanas, uh, shirts and activewear, all examples of this, people want it the way they want it and they want it now, right? Um, and how we've made it so easy and simple, you know, HP's made it so easy with this technology, like with the S300 and the 500 to learn, to operate and to maintain. Um, plus when you can get a 64 inch printer like the S300 for less than $9,000, the opportunity for startups and entrepreneurs to participate and even traditional print shops to expand beyond signs, wraps and banners has really increased. So I think that's a cool trend that you're gonna see more people kind of come in. They have the ability to understand it, learn it quickly and be successful without having to, you know, some of this dye sublimation is a different animal than traditional print. And it, it takes, you know, you really have to have a good understanding. And, and, and in the past, like lamination, it used to be a little bit of dark magic, right? But now uh, we tried to make it really easier for folks to get in um, to the market space at, a, at an inexpensive price point with all of the tools and everything that they need to really hit the ground running um, and be able to produce uh, product in a, a timely manner for, you know, customization, personalization, all stuff like that. So I think that's a, that's an interesting trend I'd say for dye sublimation. That's pretty neat. Cool. Cool. What's your favorite color and why? My favorite color and why? <laughs> uh, I'm more of an earthy color guy. I'm not a really poppy bright color. So um, you know, like the blues and the greens. Uh, if I had to pick a favorite color, I don't know what you'd call it, or if, if it's a color, is sky blue a color? Is that a color? Yeah. Sky, blue? Yeah. sky blue. You know, growing up in Wisconsin, as you guys know, <laughs> where I grew up, right? You don't get many sunny days. We were talking about that before the, before the, uh, the session here. Um, you don't get many sunny days with unadulterated blue skies. So those that you get, you really appreciate, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I now, agree. <laughs> yeah, now I'm out here in the desert. I'm out in Arizona. The blue skies just give me that good feeling. You know, when I see them every day, it's blue skies here. But for someone who loves outdoor activities, you know, I love seeing the blue skies. So I'd say if blue skies a color, I'm going to go with blue or sky blue. Awesome. awesome. Your turn. What do you want to ask us? Um, I'm not going to ask you your favorite color. I was going to, I've been talking to my neighbor who's a big, um, He's from Michigan, and he knows, you know, from being from Wisconsin, growing up outside of Green Bay and still having Packers tickets, we'd always go back and forth and know that the Lions suck, and we've actually had a, you know, a decent run the last couple of years. But maybe you can help me make my case with him. Um, you know, he loves the Lions. He's always been a huge Matt Stafford fan. So a Matt Stafford man crush, if you will, he's had on him. Um, since you're both cheeseheads, right, <laughs> and assuming – like the rest of us who grew up in Wisconsin, you're huge Packers fans, or at least Packers fans in general. <laughs> well, I am. I am, yeah. Shelby? Shelby's less. Well, I mean, like I, I, I lived in Wisconsin for about 15 years up until 2019 when I moved here. And I haven't, I'm in Greensboro, North Carolina now, and I haven't really gotten a chance to explore this community because, you know, I moved here three months later, you know, what happened. Yeah. Um, so, but, um, I do get more sky blue though, Dave, just so you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's not that I dislike the Packers and everything, but I was certainly, I, I followed them a lot more when I was actually in the state of Wisconsin. Let's put it that yeah. way. Well, here's what he said. Here's what I'm going to ask you guys. So him being a huge 
Lion fan, but a really big Stafford fan too. And he hates the Packers as he has to in the division. You know how it, how it goes. Now that Stafford's with the Rams, so he went to L.A. He'll be playing next year for L.A. He says that Stafford is going to win a Super Bowl before the Packers do. So he thinks Stafford, whether it's Rodgers with the Packers, whether Rodgers retires next year and Love comes in and takes over for quarterback, he says, I will bet you anything. So we got this bet, a really nice, a really expensive restaurant for drinks and dinner here. Um, you know, not that it's going to happen next year, but I says, no way. Packers, with or without Rodgers, will win a Super Bowl way, you know, well before Stafford will. So what do you think? Start with you, Jim, or Shelby. Who wants to take the first crack at it? But I told him no way. I said, I'm going with the Packers. The only thing I'm going to say on this, because I didn't watch many games last year, um, I or in the past, whatever, year and a half, whatever it's been, but um, if Rodgers really takes on this Jeopardy host role, I wonder <laughs> if that's going to affect his game at all. Well... <laughs> I didn't even hear he was one of the. Is he going to go in and guest? Yeah, he, he did two weeks of guest hosting Jeopardy, and I guess he's on the short list. And he oh, said this is his dream job. What? Well, he is getting older. He's but I still, I still think your 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 side of the bet's better, Dave, because you know with Stafford, how many years does he have left? Right. I mean, he's not he's not a rookie anymore. He's been around a few years. Yep. Um, I don't know his exact age, but and I. I I've never, I've never thought he was that fantastic. I mean, he, he had, he's had some bright moments, but I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's at that same level as Rogers, Favre, um, obviously Brady, um, you know, there's, there's just guys up in that elite level. I, I just don't see him quite there. I see him one not. He's good. He's one notch below that though. And so I think your side of the bet's a lot safer. You've got a team that's, you know, one, several Super Bowls. And if, if Rogers comes back, I, based on the way they played last year, if they can, if they can even come close to that, they've got a really good shot next year. So, I mean, it's uh, I think you have the safer side of that bet. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. His, his argument is he never had the supporting staff and he was always missing a piece. I'm like, so is Rogers. I mean, everyone does that. Look at Brady. He won. He went to the Bucks and won. I mean, the Bucks had a good defense and he hauled a couple of people over, you know, who left New England with them. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's a safe bet. Yeah, I think it's safe, but and you know, worst case, you got to buy dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have a nice dinner, but that's funny. That's a good bet. <laughs> All right. So, where can our listeners find you and or HP or both um, online? Online, or you can go. You can Google for disinformation. Just Google HP Stitch, or you can go right to www.hp.com, and I think you click on its large format or industrial large format industrial printers. There's a link. And that'll take you to all the latex. It'll take you to Stitch. It'll bring you to the different categories. Um, or on social media, you know, YouTube. So we have some cool and informative application videos on YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, some some neat stories and customer profiles. And always on Facebook, there's stuff being posted too. So, okay. Yeah. And if they, I'm, I'm assuming they can maybe find you on LinkedIn if they want to try and connect and ask you yeah. questions. I'm on LinkedIn or just dave.conrad at hp.com if anyone had any questions, even Dysub. Yeah, I, I get calls from people just trying to get in or figuring out the business or just trying to, you know, see what they need or have some, you know, questions on whether it's competitors' products or our products. I'm more than happy to help. I always love to hear the stories with the people coming out with opportunities, whether they're a sign shop expanding or a new person getting into the market. And I'm always able for, you know, up for a conversation and definitely share, you know, what I 
what I know with them and they can take it for that. <laughs> but, but yeah, Dave.Conrad, don't go David.Conrad because there's a David, there's two Dave Conrads in HP and he's in a totally, I don't even know where, some Houston or something. So it's Dave.Conrad at HP.com if you have any, need to get hold of me. Sounds great. Sounds great. Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Yep, and I hey. hope that we will be able to swing by the HP booth at Printing United Alliance in Orlando this October. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you guys live. Know, Thanks right? for having me. <laughs> It's been a while. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. Bye. Have a good one. Bye-bye.